everyone. Uh, welcome to the latest podcast about the uh, Cancer Innovation Challenge. Uh, my name is Steph. I'm from the Data Lab. And with me here today are uh, uh, Sandy, Owen and Keith from Canon Medical Research Europe. Um, Sandy is a senior technical manager. Uh, Keith is the principal scientist and Owen is a doctoral student at Canon Medical Research. I will let Sandy, Owen and Keith introduce themselves and tell us a bit about Canon Medical Research Europe. Hello, uh, my name is Sandy Weir, and as uh, Steph says, I'm a senior technical manager. I have res responsibility for the uh, the AI research team uh, in our design centre in Edinburgh. Hello, uh, I'm Owen. Um, I'm an engineering doctoral student, so I spend my time at Canon Medical Research Europe, but I'm enrolled at Glasgow University. And my name's Keith Goatman, principal scientist in the AI research team at Canon Medical, and I have an interest in uh, image analysis and applying AI to healthcare. Do you guys want to tell us a bit more about the company? Yeah, sure. So um, Canon Medical, based in Edinburgh, we're around about 140 people. Uh, we have a history in, um, in image analysis and visualization, and um, in the last few years we've also uh, developed uh, quite a strength in AI research. In 2018, uh, we were identified as the, uh, the AI Centre of Excellence uh, within Canon Medical. Um, we've got uh, a, a quite a, a strong history now in, in, um, in machine learning and um, the group and the AI research team is uh, around 18 people. We flex a little bit because we have a, a, student, a fairly large student cohort that come in and work with us from time to time. And we've got quite a diverse range of projects uh, from what we call Imaging Plus, where we're combining imaging with other forms of data, uh, and also uh, natural language processing. It's a relatively new area for us, but uh, we have one team where most of their focus at the moment is on natural language processing. Can I say a little bit about Canon Medical? So Canon Medical Research Europe, we're part of uh, Canon Medical, um, which is a large company, in fact, one of the big four uh, medical imaging companies in the world. So we make um, every type of medical scanner that you could think of, CT, MR, uh, nuclear medicine, ultrasound, X-ray, I could go on. Um, and our role is really to provide um, the software that, that makes those scanners more useful to doctors. Great, thank you. Um, well, Canon Medical Research Europe was uh, funded through the phase two of the Cancer Innovation Challenge under the work stream of Innovative Data Science Solutions to Improve Cancer Care in Scotland. Um, I think I, it's best to leave you guys to uh, tell us a bit about the project that you undertook, kind of give us a bit of the background, if that's okay, who, who would like to go? So the, 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 the clinical challenge uh, that we had uh, was uh, mesothelioma. Uh, which is a cancer that grows around the outside of the lung. And uh, we were lucky enough to have uh, a great clinical collaborator in Glasgow uh, with Dr. Kevin Blythe, uh, who's, who's worked in this area for many, many years and is, is an expert um, in it. Uh, and also here in Scotland, and particularly around Glasgow, uh, it is a hot spot at the moment for, for mesothelioma. Uh, you may have heard of it as a cancer that's associated with exposure to asbestos, uh, which we know has been used for many years in buildings. Uh, but the reason it's, it's so prevalent in Glasgow is Glasgow's history of shipbuilding. And asbestos was used for many, many years uh, in shipbuilding. And sadly now we're paying the price for that 
um, with cases of, of mesothelioma. And it's a strange disease in that it has a long period where it's, where it's silent. So you're exposed to asbestos, and then it could be 20, 30, even 40 years later uh, that, that you, you get the symptoms of, of mesothelioma. Great. And uh, I don't know, Sandy and uh, Owen want to tell us a bit about wh what it was you guys were attempting to do in this project. Well, I mean, I think um, I, looking back at the sort of fundamentals of the project, I mean, the, the, the key thing for us was um, being able to work with, uh, within a sort of collaborative team. And the great thing about the Cancer Innovation Challenge was um, the bringing together and, pro and providing that framework that supported the project. So we were enormously grateful to be involved in the uh, the initial phase and then the follow-on phase, uh, and get the opportunity to work with uh, such real, um, you know, experienced uh, collaborators in, in the form of Kevin Blythe in, in Glasgow. So, without the Cancer Innovation Challenge to be able to to be able to bring that uh, that, that that sort of framework together and be able to, and be able to create that um, that basis for um, combined uh, research. Um, it was it was really important that, that we wouldn't have necessarily have done this project without it. So we're enormously grateful. So what was the technical challenge around mesothelioma? So uh, the technical challenges are um, the cancer develops as a rind around the lungs, and and that kind of means that it has a very difficult shape to measure. So for other lung cancers, like for instance lung nodules, um, these grow roughly spherically and you can very quickly um, characterize tumor progression by measuring the diameter of, of the lung nodule. But for mesothelioma it's a bit different um, because if it's unusual and irregular shape, um, it's actually quite difficult to measure. Uh, and for that reason, there's very low agreement between annotators when they're measuring mesothelioma and very, um, very low agreement even sometimes between the same annotators doing repeat measurements. And that has a knock-on effect um, to things like clinical trials where they become very expensive because um, in part um, there's investment into annotating and um, measuring the tumour and seeing the effect of the treatment on the progression of the patient. So the project is to automate the volumetric measurement of mesothelioma from CT images. And it shouldn't be underestimated how important that is. Uh, one of my heroes of science is, is Lord Calvin uh, of Glasgow. And he said something along the lines of, if you can't measure something, uh, you can't understand it. And if you can't understand it, you can't change it. And, and with mesothelioma, unless you can measure whether your drug is working or not, then how can you possibly change it? And so we believe the big contribution that we can make here is allowing uh, researchers and clinicians to be able to measure um, the effect that drugs are having. So that means in a research study, you can decide whether a, a treatment is, is effective or not. And for an individual patient, you can decide what's the best, the best treatment for that patient. Uh, and I think uh, as well as the, the, the technical challenges, the other challenge, of course, is um, like any uh, deep learning convolutional neural network that we've, we've, we've done, it's that, that, that challenge of bringing the data together uh, and um, being able to work with that cohort of data and to, to, to get the, uh, the, the ground truth and the annotation done. And uh, we, for that, we were enormously dependent on the, the group at, uh, at uh, NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde. 
Uh, and I'm sure um, Keith and, and uh, Owen will talk a little bit about the, the details of the, the, the sort of technical approach and the, the deep learning that was applied. Um, but um, we always encounter these problems of, of bringing that data together, and that was, a, that was a huge hurdle and something that took us a little bit of time to get over. Um, so we were able to work in a way which um, essentially took a phased approach as the data became available and in sufficient quantity, we were able to start to make progress. Um, so we did have some issues around that, that, that data availability, um, but we were, we, what we did and as a team, we found a, a very pragmatic approach and that pra pragmatic approach allowed us to both make progress on the, uh, on the project uh, and achieve some pretty good results in the end. And I'm sure the guys here will talk about those results shortly. Great, thank you. Before we move on to the results, there were lots of terms you just mentioned there, deep learning uh, convolutional neural networks. Um, if you want to kind of tell us a bit about what the technical approach was, uh, that would be great. So um, it was deep learning based. So um, for deep learning, it's, it's kind of under the heading of artificial intelligence um, and involves having um, a convolutional neural network, um, which is made up of layers. Uh, and parameters that are trained. And the most important thing with these algorithms is the data. So you feed in images and you output a prediction of where the mesothelioma is in the images. Um, and in order to train those parameters, you need to have a measure of how well the system is doing. And that involves ground truth. So uh, expert annotated images um, provided by our collaborators so that we can train the algorithm to kind of replicate um, that ground truth and learn what is mesothelioma in the images. And the ground truth that, that, that Owen's talking about, these, which is, so to, to think of it another way, where, where these new, new algorithms um, get their, their strength, their power, why people are so excited about them is because formerly, um, if you were training a computer algorithm to do a task, you generally sit down and think how a human would do that task, and then you'd come up with a set of rules to try and replicate that behavior in your computer program. Uh, whereas using these deep learning techniques that, that, that Owen just mentioned, um, you, you dispense with that entirely, and it's, it's what we call entirely data-driven, which means you, you tell the, the program uh, the result that you want. So in, that, in this case, it's the ground truth. You get a human to draw the, on the mesothelioma and you give it the data and you ask the, the machine to learn how to generate that result just given the input data and the result that you want. And you don't tell it how to do it. The how to do it is completely determined by, by the deep learning network. Um, and that's incredibly powerful and, and many, many studies have shown time and time again uh, that that method outperforms humans coming up with rules to do it. So, so these data-driven techniques uh, have made a huge impact um, in this area and they've allowed us to do something in this project that you couldn't have done before. Um, just detecting mesothelioma like this was too challenging a task for someone to come up with human-based rules. Uh, but allowing a machine to determine those rules itself, given the data, given this ground truth, um, has, has worked remarkably well. Yeah, um, and as, as Keith says, um, you know, traditionally you'd have to handcraft features, you'd have to come up with a set of heuristics or rules um, to make an image analysis algorithm. 
Um, but with deep learning, all of these things can be learned directly from the data. And that comes with a few challenges um, generally across the field because you can solve problems that perhaps you couldn't have done with traditional techniques, but you can't necessarily control what the predictions are based upon in the images. So there's a big capacity for, especially in cases where there's limited data, for spurious connections to be made, um, basing predictions on features which um, aren't associated with mesothelioma. And that, that is something called overfitting, um, where you fit to a narrow demographic of, of data. And, and that's one of the challenges that, that is generally present across projects. So luckily in this project, we had um, a fair amount of data, a fair amount of data. So, I mean, that raises an interesting, um, there were a number of challenges in this project. And, and these are challenges that anyone trying to use deep learning in, in medical image analysis will face. So the first one is access to enough data. And obviously medical data is, is precious and it's personal. And so you, you wouldn't expect access to it to be particularly easy necessarily. Uh, and all of us would want our medical data kept safe. Um, but on the other hand, of course, we want people to come up with, with, with cures and, and things that will benefit people. And so getting that balance between privacy and benefit is one of the challenges uh, we face in projects like this. And the second big challenge is that ground truth, those human annotations that systems learn from. And very often that's, that's the most time-consuming and expensive component of a project like this. Uh, because what we're trying to do here in, in automating this, the manual effort, uh, we haven't mentioned so far, um, Andrew uh, Kidd in, in Glasgow very kindly did this work for us. It took him an hour and a half per um, subject to, to annotate that, an hour and a half per uh, pair of lungs, uh, which is a huge uh, amount of um, human effort and takes a huge amount of patience uh, and care to do that. And so I think as Sandy and, and Owen have already said, we're hugely grateful for that effort because that data is so valuable because without it, we couldn't train algorithms like this. Um, yeah, I'm so pleased you gave a shout out to Andrew. A lot of this work was based on uh, his, uh, his hard efforts. Um, so that, that certainly shouldn't be under, underestimated. That's great. Um, mesothelioma sounds like a really hard use case to apply uh, this method to. Uh, just curious why you guys went with mesothelioma as opposed to something a bit easier and then kind of, you know, extrapolating and applying it to something harder later. Like, I guess I guess my team like a challenge and this is a fantastic <laughs> challenge. So uh, I saw Keith and Owen's eyes light up when uh, this was uh, this was described. So um, I don't know. Do you guys want to you want to talk about um, why uh, we think um, that regular form of tumor and the presentation, why that makes um, uh, such a difference, because it's, it's not what we encounter normally in, in some of the other projects. Uh, that we do. Do you want me to be brutally honest? Yes, please do. Yeah, yeah, you okay. normally are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I saw this, this, this project, you're right. I mean, my eyes lit up in the sense that I thought, here's something that's, that's, that's hard. Uh, the trouble with deep learning is that it, it makes so many tasks almost trivial now. Um, and I honestly didn't expect, expect it to work very well. 
but I thought it'd be fun trying. So, so the fact that, that the final result has been so good, I have to confess, is a surprise to me. <laughs> I didn't expect it to work that well. Um, I just thought it was going to be a fantastic challenge to take on. And, you know, it was called the Cancer Innovation Challenge. Mm-hmm. So it's, it seemed, seemed fitting. Uh, and I was just happy for it to be a challenge. And the fact that it, it turns out to work so well is, is, is just great. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, we, we are, all, our, our team are, we are all about challenging ourselves. And, um, and we, we, you know, our role within Canon is really to be able to, uh, to develop uh, some of these solutions, which, um, which, you know, address the sort of the fundamental uh, problems that we, we want to improve patients' lives and we want to improve the lives of cl- uh, clinicians that are using our tools, using our applications. Uh, so we, we want the hard projects, Steph. We this is uh, this is what we're there for. Um, so by providing solutions, and in fact, we're already seeing, you know, potential spin-offs, potential benefits of uh, some of the work that's been done, as an understand, understanding how we approach that problem where we've got a really uh, irregular-shaped tumor or regular-shaped um, uh, um, uh, physio- physiology or anatomy uh, that we can apply uh, the, the, these approaches to in future. So, um, you know, we're, we're very interested in being able to um, learn uh, from our experiences and apply these experiences in other places. I suppose people who are listening, maybe, you know, we're talking about these being challenging images mm. to, to work with. Yeah. I guess we haven't explained why they're yeah, they're, yeah, they're, that's why, true. Why they're yeah. so hard. And people, people listening might think, well, just segmenting something, you know, just outlining something in the image. That's right. uh, how can that be hard? Um, but I guess, you know, for trying to think of some, some, some analogy, it would be a bit like um, trying to outline uh, vehicles in a fog or something. If you look at these images, because so these are CT images, computer tomography, X-ray images, uh, and they're, they're commonly done for, for imaging the lung. Um, but they're measuring the X-ray attenuation at every point in your body. Uh, and for some of the features, um, in the lung, the difference in X-ray attenuation is, is very small. So we talk about uh, having poor contrast in the image. In other words, the difference between what we want to see and the bits around it is very small, and it can be hard to distinguish them. So trying to pick out what's mesothelioma and, and, and what is the, the pleural cavity, or what is something called effusion, that's fluid that's given off uh, by, by the lung in response to the mesothelioma being there, uh, can be quite hard for a human to do. Uh, and that's why we thought this was going to be a, a particularly hard um, challenge. Um, but it turns out that we can replicate uh, human performance um, really quite well. Everyone loves a challenge. <laughs> uh, but that needs, uh, leads really nicely into, tell us about the results. How did it go? Uh, yeah, it went, it went really well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So um, are you can say imagine I, a graph now. <laughs> yes, uh, I should I should explain. Owen's kind of uh, you know he's been very modest, but uh, he's just come back from from uh, Valletta in Malta, uh, where he took part in bioimaging conference uh, bioimaging 2020, and you were sharing the technical results with uh, with uh, with our peers in the in the, in the community. So um, yeah, please please do tell us more about the results and what you shared at the conference last week. Absolutely. The, the, the paper is available, shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> we'll have that on the website. <laughs> so um, I suppose st- we, we had a, a preliminary phase where we, we worked to see whether 
whether it was even possible. So we, we started with a very small amount of, of data and the first results were um, just some GIFs, essentially, some animated images where you could see that the algorithm was starting to pick up um, a signal. So that was very encouraging. Um, and then as we progressed with more data, we managed to do um, a kind of more thorough analysis. So at the moment, the results are a, a multifold validation, which is not a, a truly independent test set, um, but the results are very encouraging. Um, of course, there's some, some problems because what we're doing is quite quite new. It's um, full volumetric measurement of mesothelioma. There's not a, a lot of other works with which we can compare performance. Um, and that, that means that it's quite hard to contextualize, you know, especially in a problem like this where the, the tumors can be so variable in thickness and in shape, it's quite hard to compare with, with other works. So as what we're planning to do is a, a more extensive evaluation on an independent set from an independent center um, in which we're hoping to compare against human agreements. So uh, agreements between the same observers and agreements across multiple observers. And that should really allow us to say whether this could be you know, potentially useful, um, how close to human performance this is. Because of course, even though it's a difficult problem, those really big error margins, um, well, differences in um, the way that the images are interpreted between experts means mm. that we can really easily make an impact um, because the bar is, is quite low in this problem setting. Yeah. yeah, Keith, you, I mean, I don't know if you want to uh, jump in and, and speak a little bit more about that intra-observer variability that we see because that was, uh, that was something that was really important that came out of the, the, yeah, the project as, as one of our findings. Um, the difference between um, different observers and what they measure and how they uh, interpret the size of the tumour and how important that is actually for the, for the patient and for, um, for the effectiveness of understanding the treatment. That's, that's a, a really good point, Sandy. Um, I mean, one of the potential advantages of automating a process like this is that it would work the same everywhere and every time you use it. So if you're trying to detect, say, a quite subtle change in a tumour, uh, if you get two people um, measuring the volume before treatment and after treatment, and the difference between their measurements is 20%, and you're expecting to detect a 20% change in the tumour, then it's, it's game over. It's, it's never going to work. Whereas if you use the same software that, that behaves the same way both times, uh, then we predict that you'd be able to detect smaller changes. Um, removing that interperson uh, variability uh, can be really uh, important. And of course, even the same individual uh, can change whether they annotate a scan first thing in the morning after they've had lots of coffee and they do it last thing in the evening. Um, they're very likely to get a different result. Whereas the good thing with, with a computer program is 24-7, exactly the same. I mean, medical imaging is one of the fields where AI has huge potential in, and that, that reduction of variability is uh, in variation is a, is a huge factor in that. Uh, you know, people obviously talk about replacing radiologists and stuff, but it's not really about that. It's about making it more efficient, reducing variation, and ultimately providing better care for patients. Um, so I, I mean, could just say, Steph, yeah. we're definitely not trying to replace radiologists. Yes, <laughs> these these are very much tools to make radiologists' lives. 
better and to allow them to do things which at the moment would just be too time consuming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, enabling um, radiologists to use more quantitative measurements in their reports and, 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 and so on, I think would be hugely powerful. Mm-hmm. And so it's augmenting what they do now. It's, it's certainly not replacing it. Yeah, absolutely. Hence, you know, the alternative definition of AI being augmented intelligence and mm-hmm. assistive intelligence. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, it, uh, so w- was the result the world first? You know, that's... Gosh, that's a big question, is there? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, as far as you know... Um, I, I, maybe there, there, there has been, uh, there was another publication that came out um, just around about the same time as ours. Um, maybe just slightly, it was just slightly before actually, because it was something that we had to take into account um, on the, the submission, the, the, uh, the comments that came back. Um, so there, there's definitely some, um, some other work that's going on, um, but um, I feel like um, we, we are certainly among the first to, uh, to approach this problem in, in this way. And I, and I think probably uh, our method is fully automated. So you just give it the image and, and it comes with a result. And, and that maybe gives it an edge over, over what's been done before. But certainly there, there are other groups uh, in the US who've applied um, uh, a very similar technique uh, to mesothelioma images. And again, uh, have published some, some results. Um, I guess the, f- fully the, the fully 3D volumetric measurements, I, I guess, is um, probably uh, a first. I think their measurements were on 2D slices yeah. rather than the full 3D volume. But as, as Owen made a very good point earlier, it's very difficult to compare um, results because how well you do depends on how difficult the examples you give your, your software are. And a mesothelioma begins as, as a very subtle, very narrow um, growth around the outside of the lung. And then over time, it gets bigger and bigger. And, and like in many situations, the bigger and more obvious it is, the easier it is to detect. And so if you give your software lots and lots of easy examples, you're going to do better. And so the only way really to compare different methods is for everybody to test on the same Uh, set of data and then you'd have a a, a more fair uh, benchmark. So it's one of the challenges um, in this area now um, that we need to have um, publicly available test sets in order for different groups to compare their performance. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame that that, that Kevin and Andrew are not able to join us today. Uh, But if I could just be virtual Kevin, I'm sure you won't forgive me for... (laughs) for doing this but one of the things that I've heard Kevin uh, describe to us is the the problem of being able to uh, to to investigate and identify these new therapeutics that, that could come out that could help uh, patients suffering from this disease and they really need a, 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 an effective way to understand the effect of those therapeutics um, so that they can measure the response to the tumor uh, and I think what we're what, what we've um, what we've devised here, what we've um, what we've found as a part of this project, is the potential of a, a method that we could actually use for this. And in, and in terms of the disease itself, um, you know, luckily here in the UK, it looks like that we were over that peak of, of asbestos-related cancer. So it, hopefully, it looks like things are you know this disease is declining in the UK. Uh, those building practices and the heavy industry. Um, they're, they're, they're a thing of the past. 
Um, but when we look around the world, we still see um, other uh, geographies, uh, particularly maybe India, Africa, where some of those building practices and some of that material is still being used. And actually, we don't have to look too far away from home as an organization because, as we said at the start, we're, we're a Japanese company. We're headquartered in Japan. And uh, one of the interesting things that um, I've found out in, in the last few months is that um, actually this disease hasn't peaked apparently in, in Japan and, and some of those building practices were, were around a lot longer there and some of that material was used. And so there, there is an there's an interest in, uh, in the findings of this project and uh, how that could potentially be uh, included uh, going forward as, as part of a, a lung suite or a lung application um, where we would provide some, some ability to be able to, um, to, to monitor the, the, the progress of this disease and, and look at the effects of these therapeutics. There's a few ideas about how we, um, how we might go forward. One proposal may be to make this, um, this uh, uh, some, something, uh, some application available on the back of this project um, that would uh, promote a, yeah, a sort of standard way of interpreting the, the, the tumour reaction. Uh, and that's something that we're, we're, we're discussing at the moment. Uh, so we haven't finalised on, on what that might look like, um, but um, we've certainly got several ideas for, for how we can create impact going forward around the findings of this project. And that for me is really exciting. That perfectly leads me into my last question, which is what's next? <laughs> yeah, well, um, are you going to do a phase three stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah. not at the moment, unfortunately, but we'd love to. No, I think I think we are looking for ways of um, of, of how we can kind of leverage the, the project findings. Um, I, I, Keith, no, and I, you guys can step in, but we, you know we, we've continued to work with uh, with Kevin and Andrew, um, and um, and we are interested, of course, um, always in, in um, accessing more data to make the solution more robust and more reliable. Uh, and then I think uh, working as a as a as part of the sort of wider team in Canon. Uh, deciding on how we make this uh, available and how we potentially um, uh, look to to integrate it going forward is is, is something that is really it's a live discussion at the moment. So I'm not really able to to provide more detail around that. But uh, when we have it, we'll be sure to come to you and let you know because I'm sure Data Lab will be really interested. I suppose one thing we we can mention is that um, and and Owen's already alluded to it is that the plan is uh, to do uh, an independent uh, evaluation of, of how well it works. Mm -hmm. So to date, all of the evaluation has been done on, on data that comes from Glasgow. Uh, and the next stage is, is to try it on data um, from elsewhere in the UK, um, from, from a, a large study called PRISM. Mm -hmm. And we've already got data coming in from that. Andrew is still annotating um, data sets for us. And, and the idea will be that uh, we will have a, a, a full independent clinical evaluation uh, and publish that um, later this year, hopefully. Yeah, and that's going to be really exciting. And um, obviously, uh, we, we're, you know, you mentioned we're working closely with Kevin on that. And uh, I think that will be a, a fantastic point to get to. That'll be a real a point from which we'll certainly uh, will influence our, our decision going forward and, and what the next steps are. That's brilliant. Excellent. Thank you very much, guys. Um, I mean, it was really exciting to have Canon on board for this project, and uh, I'm really glad it, it turned out really yeah. well. well and, and thank you so much for all your help during the project. It's been, it's been great working with you. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we look forward Absolutely. to future collaborations. Uh, but no, thank you very much. Great. Thank well, you. Bye. 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 <laughs>